Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Sunday Zoom meeting and another podcast episode. Um, as you know, I normally take my inspiration uh, for these meetings from what's happening in the group during the week. Quite funny today, actually, because I, I don't actually prepare for meetings anymore. In the very beginning, uh, when I would do talks and interviews and what have you, I, I could spend the whole week preparing it and putting it down and I'd end up reading it like a newsreader, um, but that became very untenable when we had our weekly meetings. Uh, so now I just kind of allow an area to formulate in my mind and sort of um, sit down just before the meeting and uh, dig out some supporting quotes from the course and then just speak on the wing. Um, and today <laughs> I had um, every intention of bringing you a Halloween episode, <laughs> Halloween podcast episode. And it was only when I sat down to find supporting quotes uh, in the course that I went, oh, my God, it's not Halloween. And I had like a Halloween virtual backdrop and everything all fixed out. <laughs> uh, so we had a quick change just before today's meeting and we'll talk about something different. Um, but. We will, um, yeah, we will have that Halloween episode uh, next week. So I'll let you become very curious about how I can tie Halloween into A Course in Miracles. <laughs> um, let's get on with today's um, subject matter. So I want to read you something. I, I suppose this is... Um, motivated, I suppose, by things that are happening in the world and in the course community. And um, I guess the first of that is the war that's happening in Ukraine. And the second thing that's happening is the war in Israel. And, and then the third thing um, that's happening... And the name went straight out of my head. <laughs> so I'm going to move swiftly on from that. Uh, let's say there's two things happening in the world. Um, and I wanted to talk about how we see that as students of the course and um, in our practice. So I want to read you something. It's from chapter 18 and it's called, sorry, this is chapter 18, The Passing of the Dream. And it's section one, The Substitute Reality. When you seem to see some twisted form of the original error rising to frighten you, say only, God is not fear, but love, and it will disappear. The truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Inward is sanity. Insanity is outside you. You but believe it is the other way, that truth is outside and error and guilt within. Your little senseless substitutions, touched with insanity and swirling lightly off on a mad course like feathers, dancing insanely in the wind, have no substance. They fuse and merge and separate in shifting and totally meaningless patterns that need not be judged at all. To judge them individually is pointless. Their tiny differences in form are no real differences at all. None of them matters. That they have in common and nothing else. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? 
Let them all go, dancing in the wind, dipping and turning until they disappear from sight, far, far outside of you. And turn you to the stately calm within, where in holy stillness dwells the living God you never left and who never left you. The Holy Spirit takes you gently by the hand and retraces with you your mad journey outside yourself, leading you gently back to the truth and safety within. He brings all your insane projections and the wild substitutions that you have placed outside you to the truth. Thus, he reverses the course of insanity and restores you to reason. So let's take this little bit by little bit. Um, when you see some twisted form of the original idea, the, sorry, the original error rising to frighten you, say only God is not fear but love and it will disappear. The truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Um, so what Jesus is saying here, I mean, the world is our mad substitution. And what he's saying to us here is that um, when you see war, death, illness, suffering, um, these are twisted forms of the original error, which is the death of God, our birth in, in, in his bloodshed, um, rising. Um, in our individuality from his corpse, when you see some twisted form of that original death rising to frighten you, say only God is not fear but love and it will disappear. The truth will save you. It has not left you to go out into the mad world. Okay, so um, what, what I've been saying in the group for the last while is um, Jesus says that sep the separation um is a faulty formulation of reality with no effect on reality. Let's take that quote. Just wanted to have it in context to give you a reference for it, if I can do it. Yeah, it's from chapter 13, The Guiltless World, and it's section eight. Um, and it says, creation cannot be interrupted. The separation is merely a faulty formulation of reality with no effect at all. Um, and so what, what I've been saying in the group for the last while, I know egos are quite resistant to hearing this, is that um, workbook lesson one, nothing I see means anything at all. Such a profound statement. That's really where the core starts, where Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you, nothing you see means anything at all. Why? Because it's an illusion. It's just your projection. Um, and really, when we've graduated the course, uh, that's also where we end up. So it's the beginning and the end. Because in the real world, we understand nothing I see means anything at all. Everything is a faulty formulation of love. In the real world, 
um, you know, Jesus says in the course, when you want only love, that is all you'll see. And in the real world, that is all we see. Because all we see is love only apparently appearing as happenings. Bodies, stories, thoughts, feelings, events. It's all just love only apparently appearing as things it can't be with no effect at all on love. That's the real world. No more projections of meaning. So miracle um, workbook lesson number one, nothing I see means anything at all. Workbook lesson number two, I have given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. So Jesus is saying, none of your projections in the world, it's not real. None of it means anything. Um, and he's saying, you've given the meaninglessness a meaning. That's our projection of meaning onto the meaninglessness. And the whole course is about withdrawing our projections so we can look on a forgiven world. So all we see is a faulty formulation of love with no effect on love. So it doesn't matter. There's just love only apparently appearing as things it can't be, but it's just appearances. Love has never stopped being love. So yes, there's a world appearing there, and it's just love appearing as a world that means nothing, and there's no point to it because it's just an appearance, and it's love. So that's what Jesus is saying to us in this course here. The, sorry, this quote here. So when you see war, when you see death, when you see sickness, some twisted form of the original error rising to frighten you, say only God is not fear but love and it will disappear. You know, and it doesn't mean that you're going to stop seeing these things, but it means you're going to stop perceiving them as real. Instead, all you're going to see is love only appearing as frightening things it can't be, but it's love. So Jesus is saying the truth will save you. That's the truth. Everything is just a formulate a faulty formulation of love with no effect on love. He goes on, the truth has not left you to go out into the mad world and so depart from you. Inward is sanity. Insanity is outside you. But you believe it's the other way around, that truth is outside and error and guilt within. So you see, he's saying there, you don't want to look within. What you want to do is you want to look without. Yeah, you know, Jesus says in the course, you know, because, you know, the big fear is that, you know, if the ego tells us if you look within, your eyes will light on sin and God will strike you blind. So we want to look outside and say, that's what's true. And let's let's keep our attention out here and not look inside. What the ego doesn't tell us is that if we look inside, um, there is no sin. Your little senseless substitutions touched with insanity and swirling lightly off on a mad course like feathers dancing insanely and the wind have no substance. War, famine, um, suffering, crime. These are all your mad little feathers dancing insanely in the wind. And he's saying they've no substance. 
They fuse and merge and separate and shifting and totally meaningless patterns that need not be judged at all. It doesn't require your interpretation. Again, none of that means anything at all. You've given it all the meaning it has for you, but it has no meaning. He's saying you don't need any interpretation of any of your meaningless substitutions, your projections. He's saying to judge them individually is pointless. This one is bad. This one is worse. This one is not so bad. He's saying, no, pointless. Their tiny differences in form are no real differences at all. None of them matters. Again, workbook lesson number one, nothing I see means anything at all. He goes on, that, none of them mattering, they have in common and nothing else. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? Not true, just appearances. Just love only appearing as things it can't be, but it has no effect on the love. It's still love. Let them all go, dancing in the wind, dipping and turning until they disappear from sight far, far outside of you. And turn you to the stately calm within, where in holy stillness dwells the living God you never left and who never left you. The Holy Spirit takes you gently by the hand and retraces with you your mad journey outside yourself, leading you gently back to the truth and safety within. He brings all your insane projections and the wild substitutions that you have placed outside you to the truth. Only love is real. Thus, he reverses the course of insanity and restores you to reason. Um, it's quite reminiscent of um, another passage that's in the course. This is from the manual, chapter 12. How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, yet they are not deceived by what they see. So that's like the feathers shifting and changing and going on their mad course. It's the same idea. It's the same language. So he goes on. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Because there are no dream figures. There is just love only apparently appearing as things, but they don't mean anything and there's no point to them because they're just appearances. It's just love. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams. Everything is the one love, the one unity, the one wholeness only appearing as happenings that mean nothing at all. So unity alone is not a thing of dreams, and it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream, beyond all seeming, and yet surely theirs. So this is the truth that we claim as students of the Course. Unity alone, oneness alone, 
is the truth behind all the appearances. It doesn't matter whether they're some are scarier than others, some are more devastating than others, some are more disturbing than others, Jesus is saying. But like, you know, individual interpretation is pointless. It's all the same. They are just appearances. It is just love apparently appearing as things it can't be. No point to them, no meaning to them. It's still love. Only love is real. That's the message. So that's a theme we'll explore in our Halloween episode next week uh, in more detail. Um, I just want to remind you from chapter 18 that Jesus says, and turn you to the stately calm within, where in holy stillness, the living God you never left and who never left you. So, um, that's what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of the stillness, the peace, the spaciousness. Because what we want to talk about today is that that's what you really are. Our big, deluded, sleepy, dreamy idea is that we are the noise in our head. We are the thoughts. We are the schemes, the plans, the noise, the interpretations that Jesus just told us are completely unnecessary. Our opinions, the wanting and the needing and the clinging and the aversion and the seeking, all the noise is just the ego's noise and it's not you. What you are is the silence and the stillness. That's the truth of what you are. So let's take another quote. So this is from Lesson 189, Paragraph 7. Simply do this. Be still and lay aside all thoughts of what you are and what God is. All concepts you have learned about the world, all images you hold about yourself, empty your mind of everything it thinks is either true or false or good or bad, of every thought it judges worthy and all the ideas of which it is ashamed. Hold on to nothing. Do not bring with you one thought the past has taught nor one belief you ever learned before from anything. Forget this world. Forget this course. And come with holy, empty hands unto your God. So you could just ask yourself, well, what's left? <laughs> I think Jesus has pretty much covered all the bases there. He's saying you're none of that. None of your ideas about what you are. None of your ideas about what the world is. None of your plans. None of your wants. None of your opinions. Not you. Not your thoughts. Not your feelings. He's saying, let the whole lot go. That's not you. Join me in the silence. Come with holy, empty hands unto your God. 
you know, that's one of those passages people read and go, well, you know, Jesus can't possibly expect us to do that. <laughs> um, not without good reason. Um, and the point is, you don't have to stop any of those thoughts. You don't have to do anything with the insane voice talking to itself in your mind that's not you. You just have to stop identifying with it. It's just an apparent happening. You know, thinking is just apparently happening, but nobody's thinking. The thoughts don't belong to anyone. It's just ego FM. And our only problem is that we jump on ego FM and go, these are my thoughts. These are my beliefs. These are my wants. These are my needs. But they're not you. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is telling us. So he's not saying you have to have a completely silent mind to be where I am. He's saying you just have to know it's not you. And that's the big process we've been pushing in our meetings is that you don't fight your thoughts. You don't try and get rid of them. You don't try and suffer them. Uh, you don't you, you don't do anything with them. Complete non-interference. Complete non-judgment. We allow them. We welcome them. And in the allowing and welcoming of them, the silence arises in your mind that you are. The silence aware of the noise, but not the noise. The stillness aware of the movement, but not the movement. The formlessness aware of the form and the information, but not the form. It is in complete non-resistance and non-judgment. The dropping of all defenses and trying to fix the ego and change the ego and tweak the, it's in the dropping of all of that that you become the peace aware of the non-peace. So what you are is the silence in your mind. And the only problem that you ever have is that you think you're the noise, but it's not yours, it's the ego's. So let's take another quote. Lesson 109. I rest in God. We ask for rest today and quietness, unshaken by the world's appearances. We ask for peace and stillness. In the midst of all the turmoil born of clashing dreams, we ask for safety and for happiness, although we seem to look on danger and on sorrow. And we have the thought that will answer our asking with what we request. I rest in God. This thought will bring to you the rest and quiet, peace and stillness and the safety and happiness you seek. I rest in God. This thought has power to wake the sleeping truth in you, whose vision sees beyond appearances to that same truth in everyone and everything there is. Here is the end of suffering for all the world. And everyone who ever came and yet will come to linger for a while, here is the thought in which the Son of God is born again to recognize himself. I rest in God. 
completely undismayed. This thought will carry you through storms and strife, past misery, pain, past loss and death, and onwards to the certainty of God. There is no suffering it cannot heal. There is no problem that it cannot solve, and no appearance but will turn to truth before the eyes of you who rest in God. So again, when I fall back and know what I am as the peace, the spaciousness, the stillness, now I see that everything is that. What I am in the Holy Spirit is what everything is. It is peace and wholeness and love only appearing as things it can't be, but it's still wholeness and peace and love. So that's why Jesus is saying there is no problem that it can not solve and no appearance will but turn to truth before the eyes of you who rest in God, who identify with the stillness and the silence of awareness in your mind and not with the noise of Ego FM. Ego identity is just claiming Ego FM as my thoughts, my wants, my needs. They're not yours. You always rest in God. That's the truth of you. It's your right mind. It always rests in God. You don't have to go and do it. It's recognition that there is always a silence in your mind, that you're not your thoughts and feelings, but you are the still, silent awareness in behind that, always resting in God. And that can be overlooked to apparently drown in identification with the ego's thoughts and feelings and stories. Um, but that's just apparent. It's never true. You are always what's resting in God. That's your right mind. So to continue, this is the day of peace. You rest in God. And while the world is torn by winds of hate, I'm on the Zoom till 11. I'm go that. your rest remains completely undisturbed. Yours is the rest of truth. Appearances cannot intrude on you. Again, just appearances. You call to all to join you in your rest, and they will hear and come to you because you rest in God. They will not hear another voice than yours because you gave your voice to God, and now you rest in him and let him speak through you. Now, again, when I identify as the stillness, the spaciousness, the peace, the awareness, instead of past thoughts translating into thoughts, translating into thoughts, which is the ego script, now instead, the stillness, the peace, the love, the wholeness that you always are as you rest in God in your right mind, that translates itself into thinking speaking and doing, and that's the Holy Spirit script. So either the ego script or the Holy Spirit script is going to seem to be happening, and, and it's based on what you identify as. Are you the noise or are you the stillness and the peace in your mind? 
So just finish. In him, you have no cares and no concerns. This is in the silence, the stillness, the awareness, the peace. No burdens, no anxiety, no pain, no fear of future and no past regrets. In timelessness, you rest. While time goes by without its touch upon you. For your rest can never change in any way at all. You rest today. And as you close your eyes, sink into stillness. So this is lesson 125. In quiet, I receive God's word today. Now, what's meant by that is when you identify as the stillness, which doesn't mean your mind has to be quiet. You just have to identify as the stillness, aware of the movement, the silence, aware of the noise. You just have to make your stand as awareness and not this made up person made out of stories and noise. So Jesus says, in quiet, I receive God's word today. That's how the stillness and the quiet will translate itself into right-minded thoughts, decision and action. Let this day be a day of stillness and of quiet listening. Your father wills you hear his word today. He calls to you from deep within your mind where he abides. Hear him today. No peace is possible until his word is heard around the world, until your mind in quiet listening accepts the message that the world must hear to usher in the quiet time of peace. Let's just take another course quote here. This is chapter 16, um, The Forgiveness of Illusions. It's section seven, The End of Illusions, paragraph six. Against the ego's insane notion of salvation, the Holy Spirit gently lays the holy instant. We said before that the Holy Spirit must teach true comparisons and uses opposites to point to truth. The holy instant is the opposite of the ego's fixed belief in salvation through vengeance for the past. In the holy instant, it is understood that the past is gone, and with its passing, the drive for vengeance has been uprooted and has disappeared. The stillness and the peace of now enfold you in perfect gentleness. Everything is gone except the truth. So just to go through that, um, the holy instant is the opposite of the ego's fixed belief in salvation through vengeance from the past. So Jesus is saying there, you know, um, something happens in the world, you feel like the innocent victim, and, you know, someone has wronged you, someone has, you know, besmirched your good reputation, and the ego's salvation is you must address this through vengeance. You must put them in, the, in your, their place. You must defend the illusion of what you are. <laughs> um, that's the ego's fixed belief in salvation through vengeance for the past, even if it's just three minutes ago. How dare you? Okay, in the holy instant, it is understood that the past is gone. 
and with its passing, the drive for vengeance has been uprooted and has disappeared. And again, this theme, the stillness and the peace of now enfold you in perfect gentleness. So Jesus is saying you rest in God. You're identified as the stillness and peace, not the, the, the concept of a person made out of stories. Again, Jesus says, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. Why? Because in my defenselessness, I know I am the invulnerable, whole, inviolable stillness and peace of now. Everything is gone except the truth. So I wanted to um, just read you some more stuff here on this theme. Uh, the first is a quote from Meister Eckhart, who was this wonderful um, Christian mystic. Got himself into trouble with the, the Reformation at one point in time, which is hardly surprising. Uh, but he um, I, he wasn't actually um, condemned. So this is Meister Eckhart. There is a huge silence inside each of us that beckons us into itself. And the recovery of our own silence can begin to teach us the language of heaven. Beautiful. He's also talking about resting in God. I want to read you some poetry from Helen um, from The Gifts of God, her compilation of her poet, poetry book. This is The Arch of Silence. The love of heaven arches over me in perfect quiet. Nothing from the world can reach within its stillness. There can be no sharp intruders and no witnesses to unreality. The simple might of innocence alone is there. Pretense of any kind has fallen out of sight. In honest clarity, the world appears redeemed and wakened from the dream of tears. Because the stillness, the peace, the love, the unity that I am is what everything is. The world is just that, only appearing as something it can't be, with no effect on the peace, the love, the stillness of Christ. This is the song of peace. The melody of peace is always there. It neither dies nor wavers. It remains a calm, soft sound, more still than silence, and an ageless recollection in the minds that God created. Ceaselessly, it sings to all the world that it remember him. The sounds of earth are quieted before this ancient melody which speaks of love in limitless dimensions. Where is fear? when God has guaranteed that he is here. This is quietness. The world knows not of quiet. Restlessness is its abiding law. From there it goes to pain and joylessness and back again to the unceasing restlessness on which it stands 
uncertain, insecure and frail, prey to illusions, victimized by guilt. Yet quietness comes over it at last. For when forgiveness comes, its certain gift is stillness, in which all the world is hushed, a silence where the littleness of sin shrinks into nothingness before the love. So again, that's how Jesus describes the holy instant to us in our course reading. When forgiveness comes, its certain gift is stillness in which all the world is hushed, a silence where the littleness of sin shrinks into nothing before the love. This is awaken stillness. Peace cover you within, without the same, in shining silence and in peace so deep. No dream of sin and evil can come near your quiet mind. And then in stillness, wake. First there is silence, then awakening. Now is the time appointed for the end of dreaming. Still the cradle where you come to be reborn. The Christ is stirring in the home that he has chosen as his own. His vision rests upon your eyes, and soon you will behold his face. And will forget the fantasies that seemed to be so real until the stillness came. The Son of God has come to join you now. His shining hand is on your shoulder. And God's silent voice speaks ceaselessly of heaven. You will hear his single message calling to his own. From his abiding place. To waken God. I love this next poem. <clears throat> the holiness of Christmas. We're a little premature for this one. <laughs> Christmas is holy only if you come in silence to the manger to behold your holiness made visible to you. Your gifts are but your open hands made clean of grasping. Nothing else you lay before the newly born except your doubts and fears. Your pale illusions and your sickly pride, your hidden venom and your little love, your meager treasures and unfaithfulness to all the gifts that God has given you. Here at the altar lay all this aside to let the door of heaven open wide and hear the angels sing of peace on earth for Christmas is the time of your rebirth. So this is the will of God. There is a silence and a certainty apart from time, a peace and quietness surrounded by a thousand angels' wings 
and kept inviolate by God's own hand. It is for everyone, yet very few have found it. It will wait for everyone who seek, and all of them will find at last this secret haven hidden from the world. And yet in open sight, its clarity is blazing, yet it is not often seen. Its call is constant, yet is rarely heard. Attack must overlook it, yet to love, it gives an instant answer. Here the will of God is recognized and cherished still. And it is here that God's, finally God's son, will understand his will and God's are one. That's in the silence. When we come to know ourselves as the silence, not the noise. Just got one more for you. This is the peace of God, um, which I absolutely adore. The peace of God, silence, and nothing more. There is no sound and nothing to be seen. No fingers still grasp at the world. All prayers have been forgot, for there is nothing now that can be asked. The voice for God no longer speaks. There is no need remaining. There was once a time, now unremembered, when there was a world. A word is spoken, and the world is done. So that's the idea I wanted to address in today's gathering. Is that we have two selves, two apparent selves. Not really two selves. <laughs> Jesus says you're not two selves in battle with each other. Uh, but we apparently do have two selves because we do have the insane voice talking to itself in our minds. We do have the apparent person made up of stories of the past, the story of me, the dream of me. So that's your wrong mind. And there's your right mind, which is the silence the peace, the spaciousness, the stillness, the awareness. And so really all the readings today were about calling you back into the silence. And you don't have to do anything about the noise because it's not you. And you, the silence, need to do nothing. Jesus says, I need do nothing that one realization will save you centuries of effort. If you understand that what you are needs do nothing. So that which allows and welcomes thoughts and feelings and stories needs do nothing with the thoughts and the feelings and the stories because they're not yours. They're not by you, about you, or for you. <laughs> they're just the ego stories and noise. And you, the silence, need do nothing nothing. The silence is already awake. It's only identification with the noise that veils the silence you are from you. But you're always the silence, the stillness, the peace, where God is.
Okay, so that's all my quotations <laughs> that I lined up for today's meeting. So what I'd like to do is throw it open for discussion and questions. And so, Eli, have we anything to address in the chat box? If you have a question or something you'd like to make a comment on, raise your hand virtually, uh, push the button, and we'll get to you. Yes, we have something in the chat. I'm just trying to scroll up and find that. Just give me a second here. Take your time. Okay, uh, this is from Sharon Jackson. I understand what you're saying about observing the thoughts without judgment, but quite often when triggered, feelings are much prevalent, are much prevalent than thoughts. Do I need to identify slash label the feelings? Am I off I am often confused by by such feelings. Please help. Thanks. Yeah. So you're not the thoughts, you're not the feelings. That's just the ego's thoughts, the ego's feelings, the ego's stories. You're not a person. You're the stillness. You are awareness. You are the peace. You rest in God. What you are needs do nothing. And so thinking is apparently happening. Feelings are apparently happening. Um, but they're just appearances. Nobody is thinking them. Nobody is feeling them. They're just apparently happening. Now, if you are wrong-minded, you will go, they're my feelings. They are my thoughts, but they're not. <laughs> they're just apparent happenings. It's just ego FM. If you want to claim it and, you know, make a story of me, make a person out of stories and go, I am this ego identity. Um, then that's just simply wrong-mindedness. So Jesus says, the self you made is not the son of God, and therefore this self does not exist at all. This self that claims the stories and the feelings, my feelings, my thoughts, my story. <laughs> um, he says, this self does not exist at all. And nothing it seems to do or think means anything. It is unreal and nothing more than that. It is neither bad nor good. And so as core students, um, what we're learning is to go back to right-mindedness. And the right mind is a non-judgmental observer of the ego. And so all you have to do is know what you are that rests in God. You go back to identity as the stillness, as the peace, the silence. That's where Jesus is. That's why you rest in God, always. You can just be deluded about it and think you're an illusion of yourself instead, made out of stories, a body, and an insane voice talking to itself. And so our process is that we, for us to once again have the experience of what we are as the stillness, as the silence, as the peace, as the spaciousness, um, that is not happening within the ego mind at all. 
Okay. So the mind where the thoughts and the feelings and the stories and the wanting and the clinging and the needing, and also all of the ideas that I should fix this and this is whole holy and this is unholy and I should change this and I should forgive this. All of that's the ego mind. It's not you. You're the stillness, aware of the noise and the movement. You're the formlessness, aware of that information apparently happening, but not to anyone. And so it is only in our radical non-resistance, non-interference, allowing and welcoming of Ego FM to do exactly what it's doing, that what you are as the stillness, the peace, the awareness separates out from the ego circus. So you are not the ego circus of thoughts, feelings, and stories. You are outside the circus completely. You're resting in God. And it is only in the allowing of the circus to be what it is, the non-resistance, the welcoming, that the peace of what you are rises in your mind. Now you become the peace aware of the non-peace. There is the peacefulness with the non-peace being there. And as you make your stand that you are not the circus, you are the peaceful awareness of the circus, as you make that stand as awareness and not a person, the story of me, the upset can't stand. It must collapse because it has nothing to do with you who rest in God. It has nothing to do with you that is awareness. It only, the upset only ever arose because you thought you were a self made out of stories and you thought the ego's thoughts and feelings and stories were about you. And they're not. So it is in the allowing and welcoming of what's coming up to be healed that we experience what we are that's outside of that mind completely. And as we do, all upset must be healed. So I hope that makes sense. Um, anything else in the chat box, Eli? Uh, there is, but it came up after the hands came up. So let's no problem. do the two hands up. Tammy, you can go ahead and unmute yourself. Stage is yours, Tammy. Hey, I just want to say thank you. And that reading, it was just so beautiful. All your reading, it was just so easy to just separate and just feel like love and yeah i was able to feel the extension thank you that's wonderful and that's did beautiful. you and, and so as you listened is it true to say that you felt the silence and the stillness that you are oh i was that yeah okay yeah. and so you see the minute you claim your identity as that silence and stillness that pure awareness the minute you do that you are above the battleground. That's what it is to be above the battleground, to no longer yeah. identify as a body on the battleground, but rather to leave the battleground and be the silence, the stillness, the awareness. That's what it is to be above the battleground with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And then you see above the battleground, there's only one of us. And so the silence, the peace, the stillness, the holiness that you are is the silence, the peace, and the holiness that everything is. Everything is just that. 
only appearing as things that can't be that are pointless and don't mean anything, but it never stops being the silence, the peace, the holiness, and the love. And that's what we see. That's the view from above the battleground. That the awareness that you are is that within which the entire world appears, only appears to be happening. <laughs> it's the awareness by which all appearances are known and out of which all the appearances are made. You, God's one, holy, innocent son. That's what we know from above the battleground. Thanks very much for that, Tammy. Um, Adrian, did you manage to avoid the floods in West Cork, Adrian, or was it bad? Oh, it was fine where I am. Thanks oh, for thank God. Yeah. It's fine, yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Um, yeah, I'm kind of... Uh, that quote you read from Chapter 16 um, about vengeance, um, like for vengeance has been uprooted and has disappeared, the stillness and the peace of now unfold in your perfect gentleness, everything is gone except the truth. I'm kind of it's very very relevant to me at the minute. Um, like I suppose in the world of form, I bought a car a week ago, and a couple of big things have gone wrong with it already. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling very much like a victim. Victim. <laughs> I'm sorry for myself. I'm feeling like a bit of an idiot, and I've I've messed up, and I've spent a lot of money, and I don't know what to do. Will I? get my money back or whatever like and yeah i'm I'm just very caught up in it like and yeah. not very well and very and i've also i'm experiencing a real resistance like yeah. i know what i need to do i know the forgiveness works i know the welcoming works but i am totally caught up and even that last speaker i found myself being a bit envious thinking i i, I want to feel what what she was talking about <laughs> yeah, but it's like I'm not Adrian, we, we've worked together. You have felt that. I have, totally. I have, yeah, I have. I and have. you, so you you have known the truth that you are really the peace, the stillness, and the wholeness. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that's fine because all you're doing now is going, yeah, but I don't want to look at that. <laughs> I want to overlook what I am <laughs> and I want to indulge in the self made out of stories. Mm -hmm. you know the innocent victim the person and we all do that we all do that mm -hmm. um I, I think you know jesus says in rules for decision he says um you know if you're not ready do not fight yourself mm. and so you know the worst thing you can do in a situation like that is go <laughs> well i know i'm indulging the ego but i don't care because <laughs> i have been you know the innocent victim i've been badly treated and i don't care and i'm just going to sulk in this and i'm not going anywhere near the holy instant um and we you know we, we'll all do that we're all going to do that um but adrian could you just allow all of that to be there see i think i think what happens with me is is you know, I have a history of addiction or whatever, and mm -hmm. I'm sober a long time and all that, like, and that's great. And my active addiction was very painful. And 
there was a huge amount of fear and the fear I felt this week is, is very similar to that intense fear mm-hmm. I felt a long time ago and as a part of me is absolutely terrified of of allowing that to be there and yet I have done like at one o'clock this morning I woke up and I was doing the welcoming forgiveness practice and like the peace I felt was savage like yeah <laughs> and then it went again. I was like, I don't know. I don't want that now. <laughs> As we do. As we do. Stuck and it just feels like a there's something big shifting. And and there I'm is. listening. See, that's 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 the big realization. I mean, you got it. So yeah. the same fear that was there during your addiction, um, you know, that was that was pushed down. Mm that was pushed out and projected onto the world and going, that's why it happened. It was because of my childhood. It was because this happened. It was because of my boss. It was because of the marriage breakdown. It was because, so so that fear, which is just the fear of separateness, it's the fear of thinking you're something you're not separate. Um, You know, in the past, you know, it came up in in, in 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 these situations and got projected. Uh what what it didn't do was clear. Mm. So it just it just went back underground into your unconscious, uh, right. waiting for the next thing it could project itself onto. And along comes a dodgy car. <laughs> and unconsciously it's like, woohoo. <laughs> Instead of acknowledging that the only reason this fear is here is because I'm identified as something I'm not. Let me get rid of all responsibility for it. Let me stay separate, the cause of my fear, but let me project it onto this situation and go, the world did it to me. Um, now, what what we have here is an opportunity where this fear that has been in you from you were, before you were born, appeared to be born, this fear, which is the fear of separateness, um, it's it's making another appearance so that you can remove it as an obstacle to the awareness of love, love's presence in your mind. So so what you have here is a gift, Adrian, yeah. and and what you have, yeah, and what you have, you know, yeah. this, <laughs> this is why Jesus says in the course, um, you know, what could you not accept if you but knew that all things that happen, past, present, and to come, are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. Now that's not to be understood that the Holy Spirit made sure you were sold a dodgy car. It's not that. Oh, but um, it's like I've agreed to this on some level. Yeah. Script-wise. Yeah. Or like, yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 but, but what it is to say is that we wrote a script with, with separateness, with the ego, the ego thought system, whereby we would see the fear and the guilt of separateness in our projections out in the world. And so we wrote a script and went, okay, so there's going to be a dodgy car there and you can feel like an innocent victim instead of the victimizer of God for wanting to be separate. And you can feel all that fear and horror and you can blame this situation and stay separate. Mm. So, so in other words, you don't have to acknowledge that the only problem you have is that you think you're separate and you can get rid of it and you can blame the world so you can stay separate, but it's not your fault. You can be without the guilt. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we can, the big flaw in the ego's plan is we can't be without the fear. Mm. We can get rid of the, the guilt 
and feel like the innocent victim instead of the guilty self that we want to be that isn't real. It's just made out of stories. <laughs> um, but, but what we can't do is get rid of the fear. And so the fear is still there. And that fear is coming up for you to clear. And the only thing you have to do is allow it and welcome it um, without the stories that it's because you were sold a dodgy car because that's a projection. So you have to rewind projection and you have to understand that the fear is there. It's got nothing to do with what's happening in the world. I am never upset for the reason I think. It's one of the most important. In, in doing that, in accepting the fear and in, in, in welcoming it and allowing it and, and as you say, not attaching the story that it sends mm -hmm. into the car or whatever. Mm -hmm. What to do on in the world of form around the car will just that will just that will just apparently happen. Yeah. Yeah. That will just apparently happen. You know, thinking will apparently happen, a decision will apparently happen. Um but but that doesn't belong to anyone and nobody's doing it. It will just apparently happen in the projection, in the movie. Um, but that's not you. So that, that will just that will just apparently happen, Adrian. Something will apparently happen. Um but but what matters is what you identify as. You know. Is the fear yours or are you the awareness of the fear? Is the fear you or are you the awareness of fear rising? I'm the awareness of fear rising, but I'm very much identified as the one feeling fear at the same time almost, you know, I'm getting glimpses of, oh yeah, that's not me. Oh yeah, there's mm -hmm. relief for two minutes and then it's straight back in. Like it's, it's very intense, like, but. Yeah. So, so you see, because. You are consciousness, which is the decision maker, and consciousness can be right-minded or it can be wrong-minded. And when it's wrong-minded, it thinks it's a self made out of stories in the past, a person, a body. Um, and when it's right-minded, it's it's a non-judgmental awareness of thoughts and feelings happening without claiming to be the one that's having them. Mm -hmm. um, so what you're saying is, okay, I am ping-ponging. <laughs> Yeah. So one minute I am experiencing myself as what rests in God, simply aware of the ego's thoughts and feelings happening, apparently happening. And then the next minute you you overlook what you are as what rests in God and you jump into the story of me that's made out of stories and you go, oh, no, it's my fear. But again, that's normal, Adrian. Mm. You know, we're all we've got all got a, a split mind. Uh, and and they're dissociate, dissociated. So you know, it's always it's one or the other. You you can identify as an ego, or as what rests in God, awareness. Um, it can't be neither, and it can't be both. Um, but but what I would say, Adrian, is that don't get the idea that oh, because I'm ping ponging, it's not working. Because every time you fall back into the silence that you are the peace, the love that's there, which is you that rests in God all, always. Every If you only dip into that, like for one second, it's like gold in the bank. 
each time you fall back into the stillness, each time you are that which is allowing and welcoming and not what's welcomed, each time you do that, upset is being diminished. Guilt is getting cleared. Make no mistake about that. Just like sometimes in the last few days, if I'm totally frank, like the fear, the fear is so intense mm -hmm. that all I'm able to say is like, Jesus, please help me just to remove the blocks to the awareness of God's love. That's all I can say. Yeah. You know, I, I suppose that, and that is, I suppose, a forgiveness practice of sorts or whatever, but that's as much as I can say. Do you know well, it, can... it, it, it's a start, except that you're still trying to fix the ego and change the ego and tweak the ego, which is yeah. not which is not allowing the ego and welcoming the ego. Because the forgiveness process means you join Jesus above the battleground. And that means you go back to your identity as stillness and awareness. And it's only in your, instead of fighting it and going, oh my God, this fear is here and it shouldn't be here. And I don't want it to be here. And Jesus, take it away. You know, Jesus told Helen in the course, you know, um, fear is, is your responsibility. I can't take it away. Um, and he says, and the reason for that is because he says, you know, you're the one who's choosing to be something that you're not. Um, he says, you should ask for help with what um, the situations that have brought the fear about, and they always involve a willingness to be separate. So if the fear is there, it's because I'm identifying as a body. I'm identifying as the self made out of stories from the past. I am not present moment awareness. I'm not what always rests in God. I am not what I always am in the present moment. I am lost to stories of the past and the future and identified with them as something I'm not. Um, and so what you don't, you, uh, and, and so you don't want to fight yourself, but what you want to do is, you know, the real trust here is that you, you allow you sit back in the holy instant and you allow the fireworks of that fear to rage because that fear has been inside of you since before you appear to be born and it has directed every single step you have taken in the world and and if you keep fearing it and pushing it away and trying to push it down and trying to get rid of it um it, it will it will eventually, as you know, go back undercover in your unconscious mind where it will continue to direct every single step that you take in life. And so what I would say, being incredibly gentle with yourself and incredibly patient with yourself, um, you just keep chipping away at that. You just keep dropping back into the silence and stillness and awareness that you are through allowing and welcoming. And honestly, Adrian, if you manage to stay there for two seconds, it has been chipped away at. The iceberg is getting smaller every single time that you just have the trust to do that. And sometimes I can do it for a minute or two and the piece is savage. And then yeah. it's back in, it's like, or back out of it or whatever. But Each yeah. time you're shaving, shaving off the iceberg. Each time, Adrian. So listen, if you spend the next month doing that, I mean, the truth is if you just genuinely made your stand as the, as the silence, um, as the awareness and not the person, then it will be undone, okay? But again, in situations where there's a lot of fear, that's easier said than done. We're going to keep ping-ponging out of fear. The fear of not being a person. The fear of not being the noise. The fear of not being the story of me. Um, and so if you spend the next month at this, Adrian, where it just you just chip away at it bit by bit, can I just for this moment, can I allow it and welcome it? 
you know, and just and just keep doing that. And don't fight yourself. But just again, this is your opportunity to remove something that has been writing your your computer, the, the computer program for what happens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So best of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. But 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 again, you know, don't be beating yourself over the head with the course of miracles. What you want to do is like, you know, can I allow um how I feel about this? You know, can I allow how afraid I am? Can I allow, you know, my fear of letting it go? Can I allow? That's what you want to do. Because again, the whole ego mess, the circus, is all of the thoughts, the feelings, and the stories that are holding this together. But also the thing of, I should do forgiveness. I should really clear this. I should get rid of this. That's still ego. Um, because you rest in God. And so all you ever have to do is allow all of that, allow the circus, allow all the thoughts about what you should do with the circus and you shouldn't do with the circus. You just welcome the whole thing. And as you welcome everything, you separate out from it into what you are as that silence, that stillness, that peace. And look, you're doing it, Adrian. So I'm preaching to the choir. And all I'm going to say to you is just persist and just know that each time you fall back into what you are as the stillness and the silence, it's healing your mind. It's like gold in the bank. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. What should we do next, Eli? Oh, we'll go to the chat box next. Okay. This is from Darlana. She says, do thoughts, interpretations always come before feelings? Can thoughts and in interpretations be unconscious and then lead to unconscious feelings? Yes. Um, it's all cyclical. It's all like the snake eating its tail. You know, so everything, everything kind of like comes from a belief. And the, so the belief is I'm separate. And so, you know, from that comes thoughts which fuel feelings, which fuel beliefs and aversions and preferences. And then all those thoughts and beliefs and preferences are generating emotions, are generating more thoughts. So it's all just completely cyclical. And so you don't have to fix any of that. You don't need to do any with that. That's all the big mess, the big washing machine mess. That's the circus. All you have to do is come out under the big top. Just come out of the tent, crawl out from under it. And you do that by giving it, giving it permission to be the mess that it is. So you don't stay in the mess going, how do I fix the mess? How do I tweak this part? How do I tweak that part? What you do is you come out of the whole circus to what you are as silence, as stillness. Because what you are is none of that. That's the wrong mind, but you're the right mind in the Holy Spirit. So that's why Jesus says psychotherapy doesn't work because, you know, the self that you're trying to fix, the mind that you're trying to fix doesn't exist. So we're never trying to psychotherapize ourselves. What you want to do is you want to come out of the mind completely. All, you know, you have the clowns and the monkeys and the zebras and the whole thing is in there, you know, and there's the ringmaster 
you know, who thinks he's real and he's trying to like fix things and control things and make things work. And you're not the ringmaster. So what you are is outside of all of that. And the only way you can leave that entire closed system is by allowing and welcoming it, dropping all your resistance to it, radical non-interference, radical allowing, radical non-judgment of it, allowing it to be, welcoming the circus as it is, allows you to stand outside the circus and to feel that you rest in God. And the minute you make your stand as what is outside the circus, the circus can't stand. Upset can't stand. But you do not need to go in there and go, why do I feel like that? Is that because of what happened when I was five? You are not that mind. <laughs> you have never been five. You have never been upset. You have never had a single judgment. You can only believe the ego's judgments. You can only think the ego's upset is, is yours, but it's not. That's why Jesus says in the workbook lesson, uh, what suffers is not part of me. And so you, you don't want to stay in the mess trying to fix the mess. You don't want to stay in the circus of a person trying to be a happier person or a peaceful person. No, 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 no. You come out of the person altogether. You are the witness to thoughts and feelings of the ego happening. And there's no person. Thoughts and feelings are just apparently happening. And when you stand in your identity as the witness to that, the non-judgmental allower of it, um, upset can't stand, guilt can't stand. So that's our process. Thanks, Eli. What else do we have? Well, we'll take one more from the chat and then we can go to Marina. This one's from Pamela. Pamela, I've been a student of ACIM since 1976, keeping my water calm, whether happy, sad, or mad. I found everything, including people, is God speaking to me. People, especially, people especially leak what I need to know. Oh, I see. Okay, sorry. When triggered, I have to look, to really look at what I'm holding on to. Thank you, Keith. How do angels play a role in our dream? Okay, so again, um, perception, you know, um, perception is only in consciousness. There is no perception in heaven. And so everything in consciousness is an illusion. Um, and so anything that you can perceive isn't ultimately true. So I am not negating the fact that people may see angels, but I am saying it is the way in which the abstract love that is there in the peace and stillness of your mind, what is above the battleground, it's the way in which your mind is translating that love into something that you can relate to without fear. And that could be your guide, that could be your guardian angel, that could be whatever. Uh, for Helen, it was a voice of Jesus dictating the course. Okay, so it is just the way in which the mind, the right mind will translate the abstract love, peace and stillness that is there in the right mind. It's the way in which it, it, the mind translates it into something we can relate to without fear. And so if that's angels is going to be your thing, that's how it's going to appear to you. You know, for Helen, it was Jesus. 
That's the way the love appeared to her. It could have just as easily been Buddha. Um, now, in terms of the way Jesus talks about angels in the course, um, they're, they're really symbolic. You know, he tells us in heaven, you know, that there's nothing in heaven that's aware of anything that's not itself. So heaven is a state of perfect oneness, you know, so there's no races of people and angels. <laughs> um, there's no societal breakdown. There's no hierarchy of illusions in heaven. There is just God and the extension of God, which is God. And then the extension of God extending God. So in heaven, there's just God. So, you know, Jesus tells us in the course that, you know, God creates his creation, which is his extension of himself to know itself as God. And so the only thing there is in heaven is God. You know, we say it's a oneness joined as one because it's God in Christ with no separateness and one mind and one will. And there's only one in heaven. Um, so angels is a metaphor for us. It's a symbol for us. Um, and if it's useful, by all means, rock along with that. Um, and like I say, it can be a right-minded symbol for the Holy Spirit, the love, peace, stillness, and unity that is there in the right mind. Anything else in the chat box, Eli? Yes, but Marina's hand and Marissa's hand went up before those. Okay, so um, so let's do Marina and let's do Marissa and let's do the last of the chat box and we'll draw a line under it for today. Very Brilliant. good. So Marina. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, everyone. So Keith, I want to know about your social life. Because, yeah, I was thinking Jesus said, you know, that he's, you know, in the world, but not of the world. And you started off today talking about wars. So what I'm finding is I'm in social situations and it's, it's all about wars. It's all about ego wanting witness and it's all about body issues and problems. So as I'm being with this and falling back i'm i'm just like start i'm falling right out of the conversation i'm i'm not not engaging and recently with my mom she was talking about the wars and you know is this terrible and and i just said well no i don't know that it's terrible um and that didn't go so well so yeah i, well, uh, I would appreciate how to yes well that's why Jesus says that the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. So, you know, the miracle is something you're doing in your mind where you're going back into identifying with stillness and not a body or an insane voice talking to itself. And as you know yourself as the stillness, you know that as the truth behind all the appearances in the world that mean nothing at all. Um. In, in knowing your inviolability and your invulnerability as the stillness, as the stately calm, as the, the quiet center, as the changeless dwelling place, in your knowing of what you are, you know that's what everything is. And everything is just that apparently appearing as something it's not, and it's just an appearance. So it's neither good nor bad. It's unreal. Um, and so, you know, 
we're not being told in the course that we have to go out into the world and go, you know, well, it's not really happening. <laughs> Don't be worried about this because um, you'll get locked up, Marina. Um, so that's not your job. Your job is to know the truth of what you are and see that as the truth of the apparent world. That's all that we're asked to do. Know what you are and you will know that what you are, everything is. So on the one hand, that's the process we apply to the horrors of the appearances that we're seeing on the news. We understand it's just wholeness apparently appearing as war, but it's just an appearance because only the holiness is real, only the love is real. And then the other mistake we can make then, you see, is that we encounter other people and they're saying, oh, the war is terrible and it's awful and the government this and the government is that. And now you see that's also wholeness only appearing as judgments about the world. So what we don't want to do is go into judgment of it and go, no, no, it's not really awful. And disagreeing with the, assess the assessments that it's awful or see or judging the judgments as wrong. <laughs> so again, we have to let go of all judgments. So you don't want to be judging people who are judging the war. What you want to do is see that there's nothing to judgments um, other than wholeness apparently appearing as thoughts, appearing as talking. Um, but it doesn't mean anything and there's no point to it because it's still wholeness. Everything is a part of wholeness. If we don't make the appearances real and if we understand that the light is what all of the appearances are made out of and the appearances don't matter because it has no effect on the light that you are. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and so that's why, um, uh, let's see if we can dig it out here, if I can do it quickly. Um, um, Now, this ties into the idea that you, the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. Now, all you have to do is accept the atonement for yourself and you do not have to convert anyone because it's it's actually not even a kind thing to do um, to force that on someone who isn't at that level of consciousness. Uh, and that's why Jesus says here, um, I have said that if a brother asks a foolish thing of you to do it, but be certain that this does not mean you do a foolish thing that would hurt either of him or you, for uh, what would hurt one would hurt the other. Foolish requests are foolish merely because they conflict, since they always contain some element of specialness. Only the Holy Spirit recognizes foolish needs as well as real ones, and he will teach you how to meet both without losing either. So what Jesus is saying there is, you know, you don't have to be come across as the prophet with all your friends, <laughs> beating them over the head with the Course in Miracles or beating them overhead with philosophy and going, you shouldn't believe this and you should believe this. And, the, you know, the Course says this. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's not a kind thing to do at all. 
He's saying, you know the truth. If you are identified with the stillness and the peace in your mind, the stillness and peace will translate itself into how you interact in that situation. But, but it's not going to necessarily be you telling people what they should believe or what they should say or do. So he's saying very often it means going along with people. Like, you know, if you're visiting someone in hospital, your job is to understand that there's no bodies. Bodies are just Christ apparently appearing as something he can't be. You know, nothing is here. Nothing is being born. Nothing is dying. There is the peace and the stillness and the awareness that you are above the battleground when you identify as the peace and not the noise. And that is the truth behind all the appearances. Um, and so if you're visiting someone in hospital, that's, you know, you're looking at an appearance, but that's not the truth of your brother because your brother's Christ. Your brother is birthless and deathless. He is the same peace, stillness, silence and awareness that you are. Because there's just one, one silence. One stillness, one peace, and it's God's one holy, innocent, indestructible, inviolable son. What you are, everyone is. And that's why we only ever know what we are, and we see that as the truth of everyone. But that doesn't mean you go into hospital with someone and, st and start telling them that. You know, it doesn't mean that you throw the priest out of the room <laughs> that's given the last rites. It doesn't mean anything like that. Okay, it means all of that is just wholeness apparently appearing as a priest in the room and people anticipating death and people as upset. Wholeness is only appearing as that, but it's not real. Only Christ is real. Only the stillness, the silence, the peace, the holiness and the love is real. Everything else is an appearance um, of, what, of what love can't be. And it doesn't matter because it's not real. Um, and so... A lot of the time, all you do is know the truth yourself. But then on the level of form, love will get expressed through you at a level people are willing and unafraid to accept. And so that doesn't mean you wouldn't comfort someone who's dying. It doesn't mean you wouldn't meet them where they're at. It doesn't mean that you would, you know, criticize their spiritual beliefs or lack thereof. Um, it doesn't mean any of that. All you do is know the truth of what you are and the power of that, the light of that in your mind must shine in your brother's mind. And you don't have to open your mouth or say anything. That's what healing is. What you are, the world is. And the appearances aren't real. So I hope that's helpful. <laughs> Does that answer your yeah. question, Marina? Yes, it does. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Marissa, the stage is yours. Hi, everyone. Hi, Keith. It's good Hi, to Marissa. be here. Hi, Marissa. I have less of a question and more of just a sharing. Um, cool. Listening to um, uh, Adrian's story kind of reminded me of my own and what I've kind of been going through. And I noticed a pattern in myself where when I do make gains with the course and my journey, I, it's almost like a two steps forward, one step back. And I realize when I do make gains, I purposely drop Jesus hand and say, okay, you're, you're getting a little bit too close. I need to back away a little bit. And, um, 
And after that, whether it, whether it takes you to some, you know, a, I don't know, sometimes it could take you to a dark place where you feel like you're having the dark night of the soul. Um, but I've just come to realize that that's the guilt coming up to be looked at. And, um, and that the pattern with me is once I'm out of that, I feel that I have moved forward and that I've made gains on my journey. And a lot of it happens unconsciously and it just shows up in your daily experience. Like, um, something doesn't set you off like it once did, or, or, or something is not as, as tragic. It, it's doable. It's something that, that, um, that, that is solvable because I'm just, ha I just have my inner teacher with me. And, um, it's made such a difference in having that gentleness and compassion for myself to step back when I do get afraid and know that I'll be back, you know, <laughs> yes, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful sentiments. Yeah. And I just want to tweak it. I just want to tweak it slightly. Um, because we, we talk about things like, um, when I'm going through things in my life, um, and, and honestly, you're never going through anything. That's an illusion. You are what rests in God. You are awareness. You always are what's above the battleground. And then there is ego thoughts and feelings that are coming up. Um, and, and all it requires is that we not identify or engage with them, that we allow them, that we, we, and, 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 and that will clear them. So this is the, the clearing that's going on. This is the healing that's going on. Now, the only mistake we make is that we identify in as the one who's thinking them thoughts and the one that the stories are about and the one that's having the feelings and we call it me. And that's an utter illusion. Um, that's the self we made out of stories. That's the one Jesus says, the self you made is not the son of God and this self does not exist at all. Uh, it is neither bad nor good. It is unreal and nothing more than that. So anytime we feel like we're even going through something, um, it just means that we're not in the stately calm. We're not um, we're not in the, the changeless dwelling place. We're not above the battlefield. Um, we think we're on the battleground and we're never on the battlegrounds because there's no battleground. <laughs> um, and so, um, of, of course, it's like getting stuck in that sec that the, there's that first, the first step of forgiveness is when you withdraw the projection and it's like getting stuck in the second step where you're keeping it and you're not giving it over. And that itself is, yeah, you want to keep it. <laughs> yeah, but but again, giving it over to the Holy Spirit means that you see you don't stay in the darkness and say, "Here, Holy Spirit, you and the light take this, you know, problem from me," because that's the attempt um, to bring light to darkness, um, okay. and that won't work. And so, again, the only problem is that we're in the darkness, <laughs> and we think we have a need for light. We have no need for light. The only problem we have is that we think we're in the darkness when we are the light. And so um, the only thing we ever have to do when we think we're going through something 
which is never true because the separate self doesn't exist. It's never there in the present moment. It has to be made up with stories of the past and fantasies about the future. Um, in the present moment, there's just the present moment, that awareness that you are in the Holy Spirit, what is above the battleground. And so again, anytime we can allow and welcome and not interfere with the whole circus and the stories and the attempts to fix it and change it and all, all we do is we allow and we welcome. And in that, the peace of what you are rises in your mind and we make our stand as the peace. I am the quiet. I am the stillness. I am the peace. And the minute we do that, the darkness can't stand. Um, and, and the only thing that makes the darkness stand is when we think it's ours. Instead of understanding, it's just the ego's darkness coming up to be healed. Uh, we don't have to own it. We don't have to claim it. We don't have to identify with it. We don't have to pretend we're an imaginary self that has the darkness because there's no imaginary self there. There's no separate self there. You are always resting in God. That's that's what we need to get. Now, I, I'm not correcting you, Marissa. <laughs> I understand what you said. and um, But I just wanted to tweak it just in terms of a teaching moment in the yeah. sense that there is there is no journey. There is no journey. All right. All you're doing is you're jumping out of the light and pretending you're in the darkness and then going, I'm in the darkness having a journey. But the only problem you have is that you think you're in the darkness. <laughs> there is no journey. You are always what is above the battleground with Jesus of the Holy Spirit as Jesus of the Holy Spirit, because there's just one of us up there. That's that's what you always that's why Jesus says, I need to do nothing will save you centuries of effort. You're not having a process. You're not having a journey. All you have to do is remember what you are in a given moment and the darkness can't stand. And the darkness will keep, as soon as you know what you are that rests in God, that need do nothing, you will pop the cork on every unresolved trauma, uh, regret, um, darkness that you've ever buried in your unconscious mind. You will pop the cork on it and all of it is going to rise up to you, the light in order to be transmuted. And that's our process. Thanks a million for sharing, Marissa. That was beautiful. Um, so Eli, anything else in the chat box? Yes, we have three more in the chat. And cool. that's where you draw, we drew a line under those. No problem. So we'll go to Ronnie. Why does the global battleground seem to be getting worse? Now, that's an interpretation. And we had a quote here today where Jesus says, your your interpretation is completely unnecessary. Um, let's dig it out here, see if I can find it. So look, the whole world is just a projection. It's the ego's projection. Um, it's just love apparently appearing as things um which are just appearances they're not real and they don't mean anything and there's no point to them which means that none of them are worse or better um so jesus is saying your little senseless substitutions this is the world we made as an attack on god so we could hide in it and stay separate and blame everything else in part from our decision to be separate for how unhappy we are so you're Little senseless substitutions touched with insanity and swirling lightly off on a mad course like feathers dancing insanely in the wind have no substance. They fuse and merge and separate and shifting and totally meaningless patterns that need not be judged at all. To judge them individually is pointless. It was bad in the past, but it's worse now. Jesus is going, that's pointless. Their tiny differences in form are no real differences at all. None of them 
matters. That they have in common and nothing else. Yet what else is necessary to make them all the same? Jesus is saying, listen, they're just appearances. They're not real. Why would you have an opinion on what's good or what's bad or what's not, um, what's better, what's worse? Jesus is going, that's meaningless. They're just appearances. They're illusions. It's just love appearing as things it can't be, but it's not real. Um, and so I would just say that the, the, the question, it's implicit in the question that you have now made the world real and you've made it a cause. You've said the world can cause this, that, and the other. It causes me to feel this and it causes others to feel this. And Jesus is going, no, the world is an effect. Listen, it's just a projection. It's your insane projection. It's your insane substitution. And he's saying, why would you have to have a judgment on any of it? Why would any of it be any better or worse than another? Um, you know, it's like the ego's first law of chaos, that there's a hierarchy of illusions. No, there's not. An illusion is an illusion, is an illusion, is an illusion. If you have a dream tonight and you're being chased by one grizzly bear or 3,000 grizzly bears, what does it matter? They're just illusions. So there's no hierarchy of illusions. And that's also why, the, the you know, the, there's no order of difficulty in miracles. You know, so if you're dreaming that you're being chased by one grizzly bear or dreaming you're being chased by like a herd of dinosaurs, um, the miracle is the same. It's not real. That's it. You know, if you dream there's one ghost in your house or there's a billion ghosts in your house, the, the, the miracle is the same. It's not real. So again... Workbook lesson number one, nothing I see means anything at all. It's simply an appearance and it doesn't mean anything and there's no point to it and it does not require my interpretation as Jesus is telling us. He says that's pointless. All you do is recognize that it's just an appearance because only love is real. And the appearance is made out of love. So the golden rule in the course, if you like, if there was a cardinal sin in the course, it would be making the error real and then trying to fix it. And that's what you're doing in the question. You're first making the world real and going, how do we fix it? What do we do about the awfulness of it? But instead, the course is about bringing the darkness to the light. So you go to the light where you know you're not a body, where you're not an insane voice talking to itself. You are the stillness, the silence, the peace, the love of what is above the battleground. And everything is that. Yes, there's appearances of it being things it's not, but they're just appearances. And Jesus says, it doesn't require your opinion. Why would you have an opinion about illusions? doesn't matter if it's one ghost or a billion ghosts. It's not real. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for that question. What do we go to next, Eli? Okay, this is from Cookie. And she asks, why have we written the ego script for learning, for learning who we really are? Because when consciousness split, there was the ego, which said, this is a real thing. Look, behold what I am. And this is all of us as the one consciousness. Behold what I am. I have separated from oneness. I now know myself in relation to God that's over there. That is not the same as me. Is not one with me. I have a mind and there's God's mind and I'm separate. Okay, that was ego. And instantly, the Holy Spirit in the mind was just simply the shining truth that there's only oneness. 
and there's no such thing as tunas. Okay, so <clears throat> I think I'm. I'm well, just just to, to just, just well, let, let's just finish it through. There was oh, a decision to make, yeah, because there was a decision to make about is separateness true, even though right. there is this truth in my mind that's telling me it can't possibly be true, and there was a decision right. made which says I am going to choose to believe that the separateness from God is real, and I am going to wall off and pretend I don't know what the Holy Spirit is telling me. I'm going to pretend that there is no knowledge in my mind that this is impossible, and I'm going to embrace the impossible. And the minute we'd done that, we thought we were the ego. Up until then, we were consciousness deciding between the ego thought system and the Holy Spirit thought system. And the minute we chose the ego thought system, we thought we were the ego thought system. Um, and then the guilt was appalling. And so what we did was we 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 need it, it was intolerable it was like this existence is just intolerable this guilt this self-hatred this fear of god's retribution and so we had this mad notion listening to the ego thought system that what we needed to do was get out of our mind and we needed to like project a world out and we needed to see all of the fear in our mind, all of the guilt in our mind, all of the hatred that we have for ourselves, that we see that outside of us in the world. Okay. So we made the world so we could stay separate, which is an illusion. Okay. It's not true. But we made the world so we could keep our separateness, but be without the guilt and self-hatred. But like I say, we, we weren't able to get rid of the fear because now we're afraid of all the things that we've made, which aren't real. But we made the world so we could see the evil we think we are in other illusory things outside of ourselves. So that's why Ken would describe the world as a maladaptive solution to a non-existent problem. So the non-existent problem is I'm separate from God because <laughs> it doesn't exist. Okay, but we have accepted that as truth, even though it's a lie. And now our maladaptive solution is, okay, well, I can't live with this guilt. So let me push things outside of me and let's see the guilt in them instead of in myself. So the fact is, you as the consciousness that we all are, you made war, you made murder, you made rape, you made child abuse, you made the most horrific, you, you made World War II and, and um, the Holocaust. You made that so that you could see your evil in that illusory thing instead of in yourself. So that's why we did it. We okay, could go so... So yeah. I think what doesn't make sense too is that seems like that would be impossible. So what God seems is, like it would be impossible? Well, um, so God is pure love. Um, how did consciousness, how are they, if, if there's no duality with pure love. So how would consciousness, which is, where did that come from first off? Um, and how how would it um not be pure love still it just seems like it's impossible that yeah um, but could, no 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 well, well i mean so so what we've said you know ultimately is that consciousness is just a faulty formulation of god and oneness and love okay but it's a fault it's a fault because it's it, it's that 
Yeah, but it's only okay. a thought. It's only a thought, Kuki. I, I don't see how we could have that thought if we're pure love. There's no we, right? There's no we. A thought, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, okay. in, in heaven where all is one and there's okay. only one, there was this idea of an opposite to oneness. Okay. Um, see, that's where I have a problem. That's where I have a problem. If if God is pure love, um, there's no opposite. And where would that come from? I, I think that's impossible. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but he, look, Jesus doesn't answer this in the course, right? What he says is, um, you're you're asking a question. Um, you're you're saying the separation happened, and I want to know how it happened. But the separation didn't happen. Right. None of this. So happened. that's the answer. That's the answer. Yeah. You see, because because you know the the explanation Ken gives is the question you ask someone where you go, when did you stop beating your wife? Now the only question anyone can give to that is, I that never happened. I never did that. Okay. <laughs> the the question is not really a question. It's what Jesus calls in the course a double question, which asks and answers. It just takes questions form, but it is a complete assumption of of something to be true that's not, and now wants to know why did that happen. So the answer is it didn't happen. <laughs> so that's why I'm having a hard time buying it, I guess. Yeah, but yes, yes, but you're saying I, the separate self that doesn't exist, want to right. know yeah. how separateness happened. You're okay. not you're not a separate self. So at any given moment, you can withdraw your allegiance to the story of me, which is made up out of stories in the past, and you can withdraw your allegiance to the noise in your head, and you can be what you are above the battleground with Jesus. And then there's an experience that separateness isn't real. Okay. And that's why <clears throat> Jesus says, don't let theology delay you. He says, seek an experience. So he's saying, you, the separate self, wanting to know how you became a separate self. There's no answer to that because you're not a separate self. <laughs> okay. The only yeah. problem you have is that you think you're an illusion of yourself, right? And so you're going, well, I, the illusion, want to know how I became this. But you didn't. Right. Because, because there is because you just rest in God. There is just what you are above the battleground. You're not the noise. You're not the past. The past isn't real. You are present moment awareness and you are not separate because all of this is just that one oneness, that one stillness, peace, holiness and love only apparently appearing as all of this. And it's just an appearance because there's no such thing as separateness. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Have one more then, Eli? Yes, one more. It's from Heidi. Keith, you've probably already answered this, yet it is not clear for me. Do we have to analyze what I'm feeling, such as I am feeling a victim, fear, sadness, anger, etc.? Or do I not touch any of that and just welcome everything coming up and allow? Look at it all with with Holy Spirit? No, this is this is the point I want to try and keep making to everyone. Let me try and find a quote here. Um, uh, 
Okay. So this is from chapter 15, the holy instant, uh, the time of rebirth. Now, the holy instant is not where you, the illusory separate self, try to fix yourself. That is not the holy instant. You see, that's what everyone keeps thinking. I, the person, am going to get in now and find out why I am feeling like this as a person, and I'm going to try and feel better as a person. Now, if that's what you want to do, you need a psychotherapist, because um, that is not what the miracle is, and that's not what A Course in Miracles is. And that's why Jesus says this, it is in your power to make this season holy, for it is in your power to make the time of Christ be now. Now. It is possible to do this all at once because there is but one shift in perception that is necessary. For you made but one mistake, separateness. It seems like many, but it is all the same. For though the ego takes many forms, it is always the same idea, separateness. What is not love is always fear and nothing else. Okay. So Jesus is saying, okay, you have fear, but like fear is fear. Everything else is just like a cover up over it, um, a blaming of it, a projection of it. But what you've done is you've overlooked the love that you are. You've overlooked the silence and the stillness that you are to identify with an illusion of yourself. And fear is inevitable. Now, whatever you blame, that you know for, for making you fearful that's a projection that's not the truth the fear is there first because you have chosen to identify as an illusion of yourself a separate self so he continues it is not necessary to follow fear through all the circuitous routes by which it burrows underground and hides in darkness to emerge in forms quite different from what it is now, then he goes on, yet it is necessary to examine each one as long as you would retain the principle that governs all of them. So again, he's saying here, it's only necessary to get in and be Sherlock Holmes with this and put labels on it and find reasons for it if you want to stay separate. If you're going to be a separate self and go, I am the noise in my head, I am the body. I am the separate self that doesn't exist, made out of stories. If you insist on being that, if you insist on identifying as the circus, then it's necessary to go examining each one like you would in psychotherapy. But he's saying here, but hang on, you know, this is my course and this is not psychotherapy. I'm telling you, the only, you have one problem and there is one solution to every problem because it's all the same problem. You do not have billions of different problems. You do not have billions of different fears. You have one problem and one fear, which is that you think you are a separate illusion of yourself because separateness is impossible. You do not know what you are as awareness in me and the Holy Spirit. You have overlooked the truth of what you are that rests in God, and you are now identifying with a story of yourself and going, why am I fearful? And he's going, the only reason you're fearful is because you think you're something you're not. 
And now you're going to blame what someone did to you when you were five. And you're going to blame the fact that your boss was mean to you. And you're going to blame the fact that your partner cheated on you. And it's got nothing to do with that. You have one problem and there's one solution to every problem because it's all the same problem. You want to be separate. So then he goes on. So having said, yet it is necessary to examine each one as long as you would retain the principle that governs all of them. And then he continues. So, you know, if we want that, that's where you go to a counsellor or a psychotherapist. Instead, he says, when you are willing to regard them not as separate, but as different manifestations of the same idea and one you do not want, they go together. The idea is simply this. You believe it is possible to be host to the ego or hostage to God. This is the choice you think you have and the decision you believe that you must make. You see no other alternatives for you cannot accept the fact that sacrifice gets nothing. So again, the crucial thing to understand about the miracle is the miracle is not psychotherapy. The miracle, you slip outside of the ego mind completely. You're not the mess. You're not the thoughts. You're not the stories. You are not who the stories of the past are about. You, you slip out from all of that. There is no separate self. There is you awareness, the dreamer of the dream and not one of the dream figures. Jesus is saying the only problem you have is you think you're a dream figure in your own dream. You awareness, you consciousness think you're one of the dream characters in your own dream. You are not. Now, if you think you're a dream character, you're going to have to go and see a dream psych psychologist and you're going to have to take dream medication and then you're going to have to go in and find out why your dream fears are coming from when you were like six years old and what you need to do about it. That's what he's saying. If you know, you know, you'll have to explore it if you insist on being the dream character. But he's going, I want to teach you that you're not the dream character. <laughs> the, 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 the atonement says separateness is impossible. Everything is just appearances, love appearing as things that mean nothing at all. And there's no point to it. And it doesn't matter because they're just appearances because there's just love, which is you. You are that within which all apparent happenings are happening, um, by which all apparent happenings are known and out of which all the apparent happenings are made. You are the dreamer of the dream. And so all we have to do is step outside the dream figure's head. And the dream figures go, and this happened when I was six, and now I'm afraid of my boss, and I'm afraid of getting into a relationship. And that's what the dream character is saying. And the dream character is going, well, what should I do about that? Um, you know, should I find this out? You know, should I do a forgiveness formula? That's all the dream character. And Jesus is saying, you need do nothing. You who rest in God always need do nothing. You're not any of that. That's a story you're dreaming. And if you allow the story, if you welcome the story, if you let the ego's thoughts be there, if you let the ego's feelings be there and you don't fight them and you don't judge them and you don't try and fix them and you don't do anything about them because they're not you, you allow them to be there. And in that you feel what you are as the peace that rises in your mind. 
you feel that you do rest in God as the silence and the stillness and the peace and the holiness that you are above the battleground. And as you make your stand as this, instead of the dream figure, the separate self, the darkness can't stand. The fear only ever, ever came from you thinking you were something other than the silence and the stillness and the holiness above the battleground. So let's just finish with that quote. That was the last question, wasn't it, Eli? Yes, it was. Good. So let's just finish with the quote from... Um, So Helen uh, was crippled with fears and anxieties and worries all her life. And on this occasion, she was complaining to Jesus going, you know, will, what, what, will you do something about this fear for me? Will you take it off me? Like, And Jesus answered her, thus, the correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for release from fear, you are implying that it is not. You should ask instead for help in the conditions that have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail a willingness to be separate. At that level, you can help it. You are much too tolerant of mind wandering and are passively condoning your mind's miscreations. Now, mind wandering is where you go off into the ego's thoughts and say, oh, these are my thoughts. Let's see where it takes me. Let's see how upset I can get about the whole non-existent problem. Um, and so Jesus is saying, listen, there's one problem and there's one solution to every problem because it's all the same problem. Are you afraid? Right. That means you think you're an illusion of yourself. And the one solution is that you undo that mistaken identification as an illusion of yourself to experience what you are with me above the battleground as a pure awareness. You don't have to do anything with the insane voice talking to itself. You don't have to do anything with the emotions because they're not you. So nothing to do with you. Let them clear. All right. Nothing. Not you. No separate self there. You know. We are one above the battleground. And as you make your stand as that, all the darkness collapses. It can't stand. It was only ever because you decided to be separate. It was only ever because you decided, I want to be a body. I want to be an insane voice talking to itself. And I want to claim the ego's thoughts and feelings as my thoughts, because I want to be this story of me made up out of the past. This me made out of stories that never exists. One problem, one solution. All the same problem. Jesus is saying you don't have millions of problems. You don't have millions of fears. You have one problem, which is that you've overlooked the truth of what you are as that great silence, that stillness, that holiness, that peace, that light, that love. You've overlooked that and you've started drowning in the ego's stories, thoughts and feelings. And it's not you. You always rest in God. So there's nothing to do. There's no path. There's no journey. All you ever do in the holy instant is you remember what you are and that you need to do nothing. Let the circus rage and it will stop. 
try to fix the circus, try to change the circus, try to tweak the circus, try and be the ringmaster. And you're just trapped in an illusion of yourself and fear is inevitable. So you crawl out under the big top. You get outside of that whole closed system completely. You are not the emotions. You are not the thoughts. You are not the stories. None of them are about you. You are not the thinker of those thoughts. They don't belong to anyone. They're the ego's thoughts. And all you have to do is be the non-judgmental witness of them. Non-resistance, non-interference. It doesn't matter. Let it be what it is. And the minute you do that, there will be peace in your mind. And then the crucial coup d'etat, pièce de résistance, you claim your identity as the peace and not the circus. And the circus can't stand. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Guys, thanks a million for your attention. If you are watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, you can find out more about the podcast on acimwithkeith.com. Uh, you can find out about um, the online community. You can find out about how to get involved in the meetings. You can find out about paid private coaching with me, if that takes your fancy. Um and to everyone else here, we will all be in touch in the group during the week. And you can all guess for the week how I'll tie Halloween into and of course in miracles <laughs> next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great Bye. Sunday. Thanks, Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye.